I was not able to go back. I didn't recover. I was not able to go back to teaching. Um, and you know, to just add a little salt in there, I got MRSA in the hospital in my ankle incision. Damn. <laughs> Wait, what is that? It's a flesh eating bacteria. <gasps> yeah. What? It's a rough, it's a bad infection. Oh, wow. Oh I've my had God. MRSA too. Oh, no. Yeah. I almost died from it. What? Welcome back to I'm the Villain. So today we're going to be talking with Sarah from the Laughing with Gingers podcast about invisible disabilities. And so, Sarah, I'm just going to let you go ahead and tell the audience whatever you think they should know about you. All right. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Love the podcast. Big fan. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, And do you want me to just dive in and kind of tell my story? Well, give it give it like a couple sentences about who you are. What you want to what you want the audience to know about you? Oh, like you you all want to know about me? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Well, um, so I'm Sarah Allipin. I am the co-host of Laughing with Gingers. I am the host of the Wedding Dish. I have two podcasts. Um, very different. One is all about levity. When we needed a little bit of like happiness in July 2020, we launched launched Laughing with Gingers, and um, I launched the Wedding Dish. Um, out of the line hotel at, in DC, which I don't, I'm sure yeah, you all. Yeah, we, we're very familiar. At least I'm yeah. very familiar. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's funny because we are all DC based, but we are all virtually recording this, which is kind of a strange thing that rarely happens for me. Usually when I'm <laughs> virtual, it is, you know, because people are in Atlanta or something. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but the wedding dish we started in September 2019. Um, so that, kind of shifted from being in person to being virtual, which caused me to have to actually learn to do a podcast. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of who I am. I'm an entrepreneur and recovering teacher. Nice. (laughs) So, okay. So tell us about the recovering teacher. (laughs) I feel like that's a good segue into, you know, your story. Yeah, this is a good setup. (laughs) Well, thanks. I try. I do my best. Um, So um, I started teaching. I taught in um, in Montgomery County, Maryland, and um, I started teaching in 2005 um, when I graduated from undergrad at at University of Maryland. Um, And I landed my dream job like right out of college. It was a school that I wanted to teach at. It was the program I wanted to work in. It was like it was just my perfect setup. Um, I was teaching darkroom photography, which is like there's just so much magic in that. It was the best literal magic. Yes, it really is. I mean, there is nothing like it, although it was very funny. You all are, you know, you're millennials, too. So you remember film cameras, right? Like you remember loading cameras. So first of all, the students didn't really understand film. This is just a total aside. Um, But they didn't understand film. So they would open the back of the camera after they took the picture all the time and expose their film because they thought they'd be able to see the film on on the back or the, the oh picture on the God. back. I know it was like heartbreaking every time. You're like, no, dude, you just you just take it and then it comes out later, much later. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, I think every single student I had exposed their film at one time or another, um, wow. which is just impressive um coming from a generation that like that's how you grew up like you know you don't open the back of the camera like your parents will murder you Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) 
But wow, I digress. Wow. <laughs> uh, and what year was this? Um, so I started in 2005 um, and I taught until um, May 2012. Got, Got it. it. So um, I also launched my side hustle, which is, you know, a teacher's, you know, summer job because everyone that's a teacher has to have a summer job basically in order to make ends meet. Um, and I started doing wedding photography over the summer, um, which actually worked out great because I was able to like hire my students and then teach them wedding photography. And some of them are now wedding photographers um, yes. after like working with me, which was super fun. Wow. Um, so <laughs> anyway, um, I loved my I loved my job. It was what I wanted to do for my whole life. Um, and I worked through my master's with the intent of teaching at the collegiate level at some point. And then I was um, verbally breaking up a fight in the hallway. And um, I was, you know, I had my arms out so that I knew that the kid that was like the aggressor could not hit me. Um, but I, when, when they got broken up um, and, and let me be clear here, security never showed, even though they were called. Um, is seven minutes of this like super violent fight going on in the hallway um, that I'm standing there in my like tiny self trying to verbally break up, um, uh -huh. saying things like, think about the consequences of your actions. <laughs> <laughs> real teacher shit, like, like real teacher shit. Yeah. You're told to say and it, thinking this sounds ridiculous as it's coming out of your mouth. Um, so one of the wrestlers came out of the bathroom and restrained the kid that was getting like beat up. And then the other kid had a friend with him who restrained him, but he was still like just kind of holding him casually. So once that happened, I subconsciously stepped forward with my right foot and the aggressor, it was like he realized I was there all of a sudden, like he hadn't noticed that I was there. Um, and he leaned back on the kid that was restraining him, um, air quotes, and he used the momentum to stomp on my foot, um, which doesn't sound like that big of a deal, right? Like you got your foot stomped on, who gives a fuck? Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. except that he crushed one of the nerves in my foot into the joint on the top of your foot. Um, so they diagnosed it as bursitis, which you can play football with bursitis. So I was like, whatever, like I have AP, I'm going back. This is in May of 2011. So I was mm -hmm. like, I'm going back. Like I have APs coming up. I need to be there for the kids and whatever. So I took three days off, um, which was not enough, clearly. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> it never is. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, although, I mean, I could have pushed to take more time. I just was like, I need to be there. Um, I care about these kids. So um, so I went back and um, and pushed through. And then over the summer, I, you know, had other like stuff done and whatever. And it took until April the following year to be diagnosed. So the nerve died from my foot all the way up to my knee. And I developed. Yeah, is, I didn't is, realize Isabel, that's how that, that works. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, wow. I didn't either. Um, nerves are crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> nerves do insane things. Also, Isabel has met me in person. So this is probably surprising because you didn't notice that I walked in right. any sort of way that was different. Yeah. Um, and I developed tarsal tunnel, which is the ankle equivalent of carpal tunnel, which happens in your wrist where the nerve mm -hmm. essentially the tunnels 
close up around the nerve, which is um, what happened like as it went up my leg, the tunnels close around the nerve and like kind of compress it. And then you, it dies essentially. Mm -hmm. That's my very non-medical, like this is a podcast. I am not a doctor way of explaining it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So from there, um, I had surgery, which was unsuccessful, unfortunately, because it had been too long of the nerve being, um, being, you know, compressed and, and pinched off. Um, so I was not able to go back. I didn't recover. I was not able to go back to teaching. Um, and you know, to just add a little salt in there, I got MRSA in the hospital in my ankle incision. Damn. <laughs> Wait, what is that? It's a flesh eating bacteria. <gasps> yeah. What? It's a rough, it's a bad infection. Oh, wow. Oh I've my had God. MRSA too. It oh, sucks. no. Yeah. I almost died from it. It was not sick. Yeah, it was not sick. What the heck? How have you not told Isabel? (laughs) Well, it's just like, you know, like sometimes you just like, you know, you almost die as a kid and like, you don't, that's not that big. How old were you? I actually wasn't a kid. I was like solidly in high school, I think. I think I was like, oh God. What what age did you get in high school at? 14? Uh, 14? Yeah, I was 14, like 18? 15, yeah. 15, maybe 16. But I, um, it was, I had a wound in a place. It was like a place I couldn't see actively. So I didn't, I just knew it was very painful and I knew that I was getting very sick, but I did not connect the two things. I thought I was just getting like the flu or something. Oh, and then, and then as it like went on and got worse, I was like, I was like getting way, way, way sicker. And then we went to the doctor and I had an abscess like on my back that they had to drain. It sucked really bad. Um, Wait, so when you say you doc- almost died, when I imagine flesh eating bacteria and you almost died is like, I'm literally just imagining like, oh, they almost ate my whole body. Like, what is the mechanism yeah. by which you almost died? <laughs> oh, I just like by an infection ravaging your body, you know, like, okay. If, if, if infections progress for too long, they just like, they will continue to grow and like, will eventually You'll, you will eventually succumb to them. You need oh. ant- antibiotics to fight an infection. Got it. Okay. Um, it's just like a human thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. um, so, um, yeah, the, I just, we just didn't know. And the doc was like, yeah, dude, another week and you might not have made it. <laughs> One week? Oh my God. Yeah. But I, I had been sick for a long time. I've been sick for like seven or 10 days. And wow. I just like thinking that it was like a regular flu and that I was going to go away. But anyways, this is that kind of makes sense, though. That's probably what I would think in that situation, too. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. And people end up like I'm I want to ask so many questions of you. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, you I realize it's not my <laughs> podcast to ask all the questions. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's fine. fine. We, we, take, we take questions. <laughs> yeah. OK. <laughs> <laughs> questions from yes. the audience. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you end up with like any because depending on where it is when with MRSA, you can actually end up with holes in your body. Oh, interesting. Maybe it's like it's like on my top, but low, low back. Um, so, I mean, like like as in like an open hole, like a yeah. like an open wound. No, I do have a like a permanent. It's like a scar where the abscess was that like it's like it feels I can still feel a difference. I've never seen it because it's on a place I can't see but um so no it didn't progress that bad okay yeah literally like draining the abscess was the most painful thing I'd ever went through in my life like 
I haven't, I haven't, I haven't ever broken a bone. You know, I don't think I've ever gone through like extreme, extreme pain, but for the, my purview of pain, it's the most painful thing that's ever happened to me. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I hope that that is the most painful thing that ever happens to you because it really, it's way more painful than breaking a bone. Really? Yeah, I thought so. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, good to know. It was, it was, yeah. Like the, the abscess getting lanced and drained was like. And the doctor was so cash, you know, because he was like, he's like, he knew exactly what it was. Like, he knew that it like. And they never I tell you. Gonna, they're never like, they're never like, oh, yeah, like, you know, brace yeah, yourself not gonna or like, anything. They're not going to like, this is going to hurt a lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They didn't. He didn't say that. He was like, all right, we got we to gotta drain it. <laughs> yeah. They didn't numb mine either. I'm guessing that it sounds like they didn't numb yours. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> and then. Uh, but I think you had the you probably were able to watch them do it, which oh, I think it was would be awful. Worse. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be worse. Yeah. It was. I mean, I would I would say it was traumatic. I actually. So this is like kind of an overgrowth share. Not that. I mean, is there <laughs> overgrowth share on this podcast? I'm no, sure. I, don't I don't think it's fine. I don't, really, I don't really think so. We're already marked NS, NSFW. Yeah. Like let's let's call this a trigger warning. You may want to skip forward 15 seconds if you don't like hearing about open wounds. <laughs> yeah. Just hit that little skip forward guy. Um, so I knew I had it because it, there's a smell like you, they talk about a smell with gangrene. Um, and I, I, because it was on my ankle, I could smell it. Um, and I, you know, it was like open to the air and it was on the side where I could see it. So it was like, I could, it smelled like almonds. Really? Wow. Wow. So I I called them and then they had me come in and they were like, I think your stitches are just irritated. And I was like, no, I don't think so. And then I, like two days later, Philippe was like, oh, I can smell it. My mm-hmm. husband. And I was yeah. like, yeah, it's not OK. I had to call them on a Sunday and they had to like call in all the antibiotics and stuff. And weird. Yeah. But I mean, it's good that I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> so you had so you had an unsuccessful surgery followed by an immediate MRSA slash staph infection. Whatever. Yes. Yeah. Um, sick. <laughs> yes it was it was a bad go wait so was that mm-hmm. like basically medical like negligence on their part or can anyone just get that after sur- a surgery good like- question um so hospitals are hotbeds for a, a number of bacteria um especially anything that's waterborne um yeah so um if you like a staph infection is a very common infection to pick up in a hospital you have to be really careful. That's one of the reasons that they wear gloves and, you know, like they clean every, they sterilize things so much. Um, it's to protect you from getting a secondary infection. So, um, while it's not super common to get a flesh eating version of it, um, it is not uncommon to get a staph infection, um, in the hospital. And I wouldn't call it negligence, honestly. It's just like, like no matter what they did, like there was, it's possible for you to get it. Yes. Okay. It just, you know, it wasn't like they didn't clean it right or something. No. Yeah. Yeah. There was an outbreak of MRSA at my school's, uh, in my school's football locker. Yeah. We had it in the wrestling room. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, I would, I didn't, I wasn't playing football at the time, so I still don't know where I picked it up, but I definitely definitively got it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and why it's just wild how like, you know, this is obviously off topic, but how an antibiotic, you know, a pill that I took, you know, once a day, maybe, maybe twice a day. And in 36 hours, I felt like fine again. 
<laughs> yeah. And I was like, I literally like a day and a half ago was fighting for my fucking life. <laughs> and now I'm just good to go. We're good. Yeah. That's same with me with vertigo is like, you know, I, I had vertigo for the first time um, like a couple years ago and my mom has it and her mom has it. But like, I didn't realize how bad vertigo is, is like one day I just like got up out of bed and I just like collapsed and I like had to keep my head at like a 90 degree angle. Otherwise I would vomit immediately. And like, <laughs> I was like this for like eight hours and like they, we thought it would just go away and then I had to go to the hospital and they just gave me a pill and I was like fine in like 10 minutes. So funny. Medical yeah. stuff is like crazy. It's magical in some ways and it's crazy in other ways and it's horrifying in other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay. So Sarah, when you were saying that you couldn't teach anymore, so what happened? Like, what happens is I'm guessing it's like if you're on your if you're on your feet too long, does shit start happening to you? Yeah. So um, the reason I developed the tarsal tunnel is because, and I'm doing this on video, even though it's a podcast. Um, so I will explain it as I do it. But um, so you know, usually when you step, you step from your heel and you roll forward onto your toes. Yeah. Um, ideally you roll forward in one motion and it doesn't drop on either side pronate or over pronate. Um, mm-hmm. so, and I don't remember which one's which because I'm not a medical professional and my memory's great, but not that great. I mean, whatever. Uh, but anyway, so my butt was dropping on the toe side as I was stepping. So I was stepping on my heel and then it was like turning in. Um, and I didn't know because I didn't have feeling in the outside part of my foot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had essentially, it felt like the worst case of plantar fasciitis, like when, like to the point where it was like, if I like took a step when it was really like at the highest level, it felt like I was going to like pee my pants. Um, which is just like, you know, when you're 27, 20 years old, horrifying, it's Mm -hmm. not like, you know, I, I was old enough to have, to feel like I should be experiencing that. But then, um, but so I was, you know, not noticing that I was compensating and my foot was dropping on the outside. So um, so that's how I ended up developing the tarsal tunnel um, and the weight bearing, the, especially on like linoleum floors are some of the worst things that you can expect a human to walk on. Um, when you like think about concrete with linoleum, there's no buffer there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's just like as hard as it can be. It really is. It really is. And so, um, yeah, so like my restriction um, is that I'm supposed to only bear weight for like three to four hours per day. And that includes like brushing your teeth and taking a shower. So um, and it's my right leg. So driving becomes an issue if you're because mm. you're essentially your brain with your nervous system can just shut down your leg mm-hmm. um or your foot or whatever part of your body is having a problem if it's your arm your body can just shut down that part um when you're in pain to protect itself so um i'm lucky i still have my license can you not get cars where it's on the other side and you can just use your left foot is that a thing i could probably buy a british yeah. car and just drive on the wrong side yeah although is that <laughs> No, that wouldn't help you. No, it the, doesn't help. It's still you would the have right to foot. you would have to get it custom. But yeah, I think the answer is yes, but it would probably cost, cost a, a bunch of money. Shit ton of money. Yeah, yeah, and insurance doesn't really cover those things. Well, the school's yeah. insurance wasn't going to cover that stuff. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> wow, that sucks. Yeah, it did. So, so, did you have to switch careers? Yes. So, um, 
So long story short, I tried going back to teaching for a full year. um, And then I had the surgery thinking I was going to go back in August. I had it in May of the following year. Um, And then I was thinking I would go back in August. And then suddenly they were like, oh, wait, you still don't have feeling. Oh, wait, you're still in the exact same amount of pain. Oh, well, you can't go back. So nobody would clear me to go back to work. Um, So it wasn't something that I chose. It's not like I was like, not interested in returning to work. Um, I'm sure you can tell how passionate I was about teaching from the way that I was like describing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so that kicked in all kinds of shit. And meanwhile, I was planning my wedding during this. Um, so we got married in September that year. Um, so it kicked into, I couldn't go back, but I didn't want to just sit around and do nothing. Like I, Maybe that sounds like fun to some people, but I don't have that bone in me. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I tried to sit around and recover. But then once the recovery wasn't an option anymore, I moved on. Um, And so I decided to kick my wedding photography business into high gear. um, And I tried bringing on other photographers to support me, um, because obviously, if I can't stand to teach, I couldn't stand for the entirety of a wedding. Weddings are fucking long, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I would bring I always would have one or two additional shooters um, and then I would only photograph during like the important like the pieces where, you know, my expertise was needed. Um, And then I would pay I paid them like super well because, you know, I needed them to do a great job and it needed to be worth their time. Um, So um, that's kind of how I adjusted and adapted um, it was not easy in the DC area to meet other photographers that were interested. Um, I, I mean, you all live here, so you know, but I'll, I'll fill in the listeners a little bit here. When you live in DC, there's this tendency to be like, what do you do? And the question actually means, what can you do for me? Um, yeah, was, uh, and if there isn't an easy sure. intuitive leap, then they're like not interested in your conversation. And then they just kind of ice you out of the circle or turn around and walk away or whatever. Um, So I was getting that a lot with photographers. Um, So I ended up throwing networking events so that I could find my people. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so you, I mean, the first question that came to my mind about when you were talking about your nerve stuff is like, how do you, are you able to like exercise regularly? And if like, do you have to count that into your, like, you you have to be so judicious with the time that you spend on your feet. Yeah, it's crazy when you think about, I mean, like I, I would actually l- challenge you to think of like to time the amount of time you're on your feet per day, mm-hmm. um, just because it would be such an eye opener um, for how little. And I'm certainly not the only person that is in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's it's not a matter of like not being able to do it. It's a matter of then not being able to move for several days. Um, Right. There's like tremendous repercussions. Yeah. Is there any kind of workaround where you can like use crutches or something? uh, So. There technically I could be wheelchair bound if I was willing to be wheelchair bound, Mm. (laughs) Uh but I can walk. So like. You know, I could technically I mean, if I was going to use a cane or anything, what that would do is just like. Cause alignment issues in the rest of my body. Mm. Um, So it wouldn't be a workaround that would be successful. I 
don't know about crutches, but I suspect that I would not use them with the mindset of like, because you, your body knows what it can do and what it right. can't. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would imagine that what I would then do is compensate in different places and end up with a secondary issue, like, you know, a hip on the, or a knee on the other side or a shoulder blade out of alignment or clavicle or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question, DeAndre, um, I can exercise. I actually, I do low impact exercise stuff. Um, I'm part, I, I have a, a really amazing, um, exercise instructor that I hired. It's I'm part of nice. like a group. I don't have like a one-on-one situation. I'm not that high end. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, we're not, my networking business is not doing that well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not bringing in, you know, I, I do not, I'm not Anna Delvying this shit. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, I use the, it's called the clarity club and she focuses on like low impact, um, exercise and it's like 30 minute cardio, um, classes a couple times a week. Um, yeah. and I just have to budget that into my schedule. And then I, I eat like high protein, um, low carb because, you know, Gaining gaining weight actually during the pandemic did not cause me as much additional pain as I suspected it would because I thought mm. you know gaining weight would mean that I couldn't stand as long which was yeah like maybe concern. shorten the time you could be on your feet or something like that yeah right it like intuitively made sense but no that didn't happen luckily so um, even though I did put on some pandemic weight which I've now lost um, yeah so I I just I eat well um and I keep my weight down um and I keep my my other muscle strong because unfortunately periodically like I have to go in and relearn to walk um mm-hmm. without compensating in some other way. So right now I'm back in physical therapy because I've been compensating on one side one side and like essentially pushing off and it locked my pelvis on the right side um and caused me hip pain on the right. So yeah. I knew what I was doing right away. And I was like, oh, I got to go in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how does your, you know, given that constraint, what does your day to day usually look like? How do you, you know, make sure that you're only on your feet for three to four hours a day? So I don't monitor as it, it, as much as I used to, because, you know, if I pay the consequences, usually I can adjust pretty well. Um, but And honestly, the pandemic was a silver lining for me because I realized I could get my pain down so much Mm -hmm. in a way that I never expected to be able to. Yeah. Um, So because nerve pain is awful. Nerve pain is like, I mean, I have a whole new appreciation. I mean, I guess it's not new anymore, but for people who have neurological disorders, I mean, it is awful. Um, I can't imagine like sciatic pain and even just like having sciatica, it just sounds like it would, it just sounds brutal to me. Um, knowing that my, my little incident, you know, is debilitating. Um, but my day actually doesn't look that much different from anybody else that works from home. Um, Mm -hmm. so other than if I am photographing a wedding, um, which might be the more interesting thing for me to walk you through. Cause I mean, my day looks like getting coffee, um, taking my dog out, um, eating a couple times and working on my computer and then making sure that I like stand up enough that I'm taking care of the rest of my body because that's a consideration as well Mm -hmm. in all of this. Right. (laughs) Um, But 
when I'm doing anything where I know I'm going to be weight bearing. So if I'm going to an event for networking or if like we were recording this in person, honestly, that would be um, because right now we're still kind of in pandemic life a little bit like to a degree. Um, But if we were recording this in person, I would have had to plan around. um, I would have had to like the day before and like probably like the day after I wouldn't have anything on my calendar that required walking. Mm -hmm. Um, Same goes for if I actually go to the grocery store, I have to like not do it because that's the same thing. Linoleum floors on concrete. Right. Um, With a lot of like turning and moving and turning is what like causes the most pain for me and moving laterally. Um, So Luckily, my husband loves to cook and he likes a lot of weird ingredients. So it makes it very difficult to go to the grocery (laughs) store. (laughs) He's like, can you get the hot harissa? It's like, it's like, well, not with the paste. It's like in the back in the international foods aisle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Like, can you, can you go find ramps? You may have to forage. (laughs) Ramps. Oh my God. You're like, can you choose a different fucking allium, please? (laughs) (laughs) This is some highbrow food humor we're having right now. Whatever, it's fine. I I happen to be very lucky in that way. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I have to buffer. So that means if I'm photographing a wedding, I don't get to see my friends on that weekend at all. Um, I'm not just out for that day. I'm out for like the following two to three days and, and the two to three leading up to it as well. Cause that gives me like the best chance of not being in excruciating pain on the wedding day, um, and the longest ability to stand. So, um, and then generally speaking, I will Uber or Lyft, or I like to take Empower now because they, um, flip the percentage on, you know, who gets paid for the drivers versus the app. Um, yeah. But um, the, you know, I'll usually take like a ride share or whatever to get there if I can, because that saves me an additional amount of time that I'm using my leg. Mm-hmm. Mm, I see. I see. Yeah, because I feel like when I think of a lot of the disability conversation, a lot of it has to do with trying to like reframe it as like, you know, it's not an issue with me. Like the world is just really not built for me. And there's like a lot of people like. I there's a great a great quote that I heard earlier this year. I don't remember who it's from, but basically it was saying like everyone should be thinking of themselves as a future disabled person, right? Yeah, and obviously that's more like physical <laughs> disability and like, you know, and so like it's kind of like is there a way, you know, based on it's interesting because it sounds like actually because we're we we have become so much more sedentary that actually the world is becoming a lot more like it's designed for what your needs are. Yeah, but, unfortunately for everyone else. Right, right, <laughs> right. Um, but like what other ways in which, you know, you find that that is especially true where you're like, oh, wow, like this is so not like designed for what I need it to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, there are certain cities that are really hard with um, like their sidewalks and things. Mm-hmm. Um because if I'm not looking at the ground, I don't have feeling in the majority of my foot. So like if it's, you know, like there are areas in Boston where walking is impossible, where they've replaced part of the sidewalk, but then like, you know, the snow comes in and the ice comes in and then there are like all yeah. these like potholes and it's on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I don't know they're there and then I'm just constantly tripping yeah. um, or I'm looking at the ground the entire time and I'm missing everything that's around me, which is like a huge bummer when yeah, you're traveling. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just kind of stinks. Um, 
so yes. Um, but my, the thing I think that really like shocked me the most, um, and the thing that was, I think the most difficult for me when this happened was other people. Um, it wasn't the, the structure of the world. It was the, the things that people said and the looks that people gave and the assumptions people made mm-hmm. um, wow. that were really hard. Like give some examples. What do you mean by that? So, um, for, from the perspective of my former colleagues, um, a lot of them would say things like, um, oh, it must be nice to not have to come to work. It's like you're on a vacation. And I'm like, yeah, vacation in jail. Cause I can't do anything or go anywhere. Like what, like, yeah. What do you think this vacation looks like? <laughs> right. You know, yeah, like, like, what do you think are, I'm doing though? There are days I can't take a shower. Yeah. <laughs> Like, come on. Right. <laughs> Plus, like, I would actually like to be there. Um, so it was a lot of assumptions like that. Um, I park in the handicap spot if I know that it's something I need at that time. Um, I don't I don't take it just to take it because, you know, I don't you never know who else is like coming behind you and you want to do the best you can to be a decent human in this world. Mm-hmm. Um so, but when I park in handicapped spots, um, a lot of times I would have people just like glare at me, mm-hmm. like, like she must be putting her mom's, um, thing up in the window just to park yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was shitty because like I needed it. I don't mm-hmm. look disabled. Like there's nothing about me that would indicate that I am disabled. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was re- like, that was really, really hard. A lot of the assumptions that people made about me, um, or when I've had to advocate for myself, like, um, so it depends on the airport size, but sometimes I have to take a wheelchair. Like if I go to Dulles, I have to take a wheelchair. So mm-hmm. we try not to ever fly out of Dulles. Why Dulles really? specifically? It's just too big. Oh, uh, too it big. depends okay. on the gate too. Like you have to, but I know you all know Dulles well, so I figured, you know what I mean? Yeah. LAX is another one. Um, unless you're flying in like right by the door, it's just a really long walk. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Oh, there of so many Atlanta if oh, you're yeah. flying into the, the wrong gate is yep. like literally like it can take 30 minutes of walking just to get to where you need to go. Yeah. Yeah. Which is more than I can do in a day. Mm-hmm. So if I'm flying Dulles, well, not more than I can do in a day, but if you factor in like it's more I've, than you can afford. Yeah. Yeah. I've like packed my bags. I've probably taken a shower and brushed my teeth and like, you know, maybe like had to take the dog out and then um, and then gone through Dallas and then I can't go through Atlanta that I'm already done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. more than I can do. Um, so um, I had a lot of situations where I would like need a wheelchair and they would make an assumption. They would stop at all of the people who were older than me um, or who appeared to be disabled or would appear to need a wheelchair. And they would ask them if they had called a wheelchair. Well, so there were times when I like got up against missing a flight. Because I would be like, once, I mean, the policy is once you're in the wheelchair, they can't ask the person to get out of the wheelchair. So even if I jumped up and said, no, that what's the name on the person? And then they said, you know, Sarah Allipin, then, Mm -hmm. and that's horrifying as a 28 year old. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like, it it would just, I mean, I, the number of times I've cried in public is so like, it's un like, I don't think I can count it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm not even a crier. Uh, Right. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like you when you ask for a wheelchair, like you like get sent to like a queue of people that are waiting for wheelchairs. And then and they just and they just assume that like you, you're like 
the daughter of one of these people or something like that. And like, and then once, once they like give your wheelchair to someone else, they can't ask that person to get up. Yep. That sucks. Yeah. So, um, we, again, a lot of this, like we've made accommodations so that we don't have to do that. Um, but there's always people that like, for some reason or whatever, like weren't able to make are not able to make those accommodations and are getting like, and obviously it does not justify what's happening to you, but it's yeah. like, it shouldn't have to happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's a bummer. And I think it, it's gotten, it's actually been a little bit easier for me as I've started to look older. Um, but when I was 28, like people just straight didn't believe me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there are several airlines where I've had to like, you know, call forward ADA restrictions or like that they did not obey ADA laws mm-hmm. um, on the flight. Like one of them, they forced me to stand up and self-identify because they were trying to send the wheelchair away. They were like, we didn't see anyone get on with a wheelchair. So we don't think we need you. And they were like, does anyone need the wheelchair? And I was like, this is illegal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is yeah. straight illegal. You yeah. cannot ask me if anyone needs a wheelchair. And then I was too far back for them to hear me. So then like people had to call forward for me after like the third time I said it, it was horrifying. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, you know, I'm not the only person that like this shit happens to. I mean, it happened like my operations manager is deaf blind mm-hmm. um, and she has a cochlear implant because, you know, she's losing her vision. But she so she can like it's not like she can hear, but she can speak. Right. So it's right. very confusing to the hearing community um, uh, when she speaks and then they don't understand, especially with masks. It's been awful for her. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like it, it's true. The world is not set up for people with disabilities. Um, mm-hmm. And, it, you know, I just want to make sure we're clear. It's not just me. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm like the small little corner of that. <laughs> how, is, how has been interfacing with like the government about this, like and you, you know, or you mentioned that you had a um, what's it called a handicap parking pass. But like, are you are there other things that you like need to get from the government? And if so, how is how has that been? That's actually an interesting question, because um, it wasn't the government. It was the school system. Mm-hmm. Oh, that really? I had like the government just, you know, the doctor writes a note and then they issue whatever the doctor says for the yeah. most part, you know, like they're like not they going to. They're not, they're not like looking at you. They're like, you, whatever, this is what you gave us. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Whereas the school system paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to a private investigator who sat outside my house while I did nothing. (laughs) No joke. Like I got to know their faces. Um, Wait, how did you find that out? Because you literally just looking out the window. I was like, why is this guy staring at my window every day? And videoing, like sitting there with like a camera. And yeah. then they would like report 7.45 a.m. doesn't look like she's home. 7.58 a.m. doesn't look like she's home. And I'm like, because I'm sitting in the house, like doing what I'm supposed to be doing. What exactly do you think I'm doing? Well, also, it seems like this person did not do a very good job being sneaky if that's their entire job. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was like, uh, honestly, it blew my mind. I, you, this, you are going to enjoy this story. <laughs> Um, so the PI, there were two, um, and essentially what they did for the first like several months, they couldn't catch me doing anything I wasn't supposed to be doing. Cause I wasn't doing anything I wasn't supposed yeah, to be cause doing. You're not, cause you're not like, 
capable, right? Like, yeah. You know, like, yeah. Like I, I know my limitations. I pay the price when I push them. I'm not going to push them for the sake of just like, you know, whatever. And I wasn't scamming the system. They wanted me to be scamming the system so bad. So they just kept printing out my social media on card color cardstock, like um, color printed on cardstock. So that in and of itself cost a ton to the school system. Why that was effect. And they just printed the whole thing over each time. The sense of this to pay that person makes none to me at all because I wasn't asking for anything. I was just asking for bills paid. Um, you know, it wasn't like I was suing the school system, which is the pretty right. incredible part. Um, it's not, you actually legally can't sue the school system for what happened to me. Um, so, um, then I was instructed by my doctor to take a mile and a half long walk, um, which was like the upper tier of what I was allowed to do. Um, so the two PIs, I saw them, they were in a red Dodge caravan and a white Dodge caravan, but like with Baltimore, like Maryland plates in DC. Um, Mm -hmm. I lived in North DuPont at the time. So it was like all very obvious, you know, they're stopping at fire hydrants to like pull over and they're filming me while they're driving. Like, it's very obvious. It's not like it's not discreet. Yeah, Mm -hmm. did not do a good job. No. Um, So then and of course, now let me let me back this up a second. I have a master's degree in um, photography and digital imagery, which includes um, cinematography um, in there. Mm -hmm. So I'm familiar with time codes and and camera equipment across the board. So what they tried to do, since they had the two cameras, they didn't have a consistent time code. They didn't match their time codes before they started this whole endeavor, thinking they were going to catch me doing something so bad. Mm -hmm. Um, So they took the video and edited it together, but they weren't familiar with D.C. So they put it like where I was walking by the CBS at Connecticut and um, and Florida. And then Mm -hmm. I jumped to the middle of Adams Morgan and then I jumped back. To like Columbia and Euclid, because they were trying to like match up their their time codes that weren't right anyway. Yes, but then they overlaid a time code onto it, which was their real mistake, mm-hmm. so that they could make it look like I walked longer than I walked. Mm-hmm. Um, so then um, I of course like went through on Google Maps. I got their video in advance. Went through on Google Maps, did street view, did screenshots of all of it, and like their video was thrown out immediately. So basically hundreds of thousands of dollars, so much time trying to watch me do something and I li- they got nothing at all. Wow. Yeah. And it's not like I was asking for a lot, like I just wanted my my the surgery was like $10,000. So like they you think they spent more on the PI than like they would have actually had to pay you. Oh, easily. That's easily. So dumb. It was so dumb. Probably, it's by, really, probably by several magnitudes. Like, yeah, more. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and that's money that's coming out of the school system. Right. Like, why? Yeah. That, yeah, that? that makes absolutely no sense at all. That's literally bananas. kids need that. Yeah. It's like, why are they devoting any energy to this? Just pay it and like get back to the thing that they need to be doing that there is their job yeah i mean it yeah like just pay it out and like let's shake hands and part ways it's not it was i don't know and and in law you know you don't want to set precedent for certain things but this isn't that same case you know this is just Mm -hmm. a teacher that was injured doing something that was legal and you know can't go back which sucks what were you suing them for exactly 
I wasn't suing them. Oh, um, yeah, there was there was no legal so, proceedings. Yeah. So then what what was the you were in court, right? Because presumably yeah. you got access to this video. So what was what exactly was it then? Um, so they, um, it was just submitting my bills and they didn't want to cover my bills. Mm -hmm. So like my prescriptions, um, that I was on at the time, um, my surgery, um, the, um, I ended up developing a panic disorder. I developed PTSD. Mm -hmm. Um, so they didn't want to pay my psych bills. Um, and I luckily am in remission. Um, but yeah, so they, they just didn't want to pay. I mean, but even even one uh, like tiny chunk of what they were paying the PIs would have covered that. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, if it, so, so sorry, it wasn't a lawsuit. It was just a what, what was it actually? So it's just like you submit your bills to insurance and I submitted oh, so, to the insurance. Oh, OK. So then I had to take the insurance company and, and the school system gets involved if they like. I don't know, had an opinion, which I guess they did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they're submitting yeah. this to the insurance so company, like, not like in court or anything. Yeah. So I did have to go to court against oh. the insurance company. Oh, Annoying. oh, so it's just like you, it gets insurance company, not the school. Yeah. But it's got like it. small claims court. But mm -hmm. the school got the school. The county got involved because mm -hmm. um, the this is, there's so much to this story. And I it, I forgot a lot of it until I just started talking about it. Like, we talked about this in so long. Um, so the union in the county that I was in told me to just suck it up and go back to work. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, great. Exactly <laughs> what you're that. hoping unions will do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. That was, you know, that was why I paid my dues for all those years to just be told to suck it up and go back. So I had, um, already gone to a workers comp attorney because they were denying my ability to go get treatment. Um, so, and it was like physical therapy or something, like something that like I needed to be able to walk at all. Um, and so then, um, I went to a workers comp attorney about that. And then he connected me with the state union and the state union kind of went in and gutted that union because of this situation. Cause, um, they shouldn't have, I mean, obviously like even their doctors were saying I couldn't go back to work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Man. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like in terms of thinking about because I always like to think about, OK, what are we like? What what could have like made any of this kind of better? <laughs> and it sounds like one, at least I don't, I don't know if there's like a policy thing around this, but just like, you know, <laughs> having schools like make like reasonable decisions around like, you know, paying bills of people who are like. <laughs> very seriously permanently injured because yeah. of, you know being a teacher um and having people generally be less shitty which i think is really just through like having more conversations like basically like this right because like i totally like it makes a lot of sense why people especially if you have an invisible disability are like oh man this person is just like taking advantage of the system or whatever yeah. because people do i mean there are shitty people who i'm sure do that yeah right yeah i would but also imagine. like yeah but also like why the fuck do you care you right, know who's like, literally, like <laughs> who, what kind, how many 28 year olds are like oh yeah i'm gonna go to the airport and get a wheelchair just because like i want to do that like you're <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, like I don't want to wait in line at customs. Nobody wants to wait in line at customs, but to go that extra mile to get the wheelchair right. is yeah. really like, I, I mean, it's a lot of stuff. Over the top, right? <laughs> right, yeah. And it's not fun. You have to go through all these like weird, dark areas of the airport that like they don't <laughs> take people through. You can't use escalators. So yeah. you're going into like cargo areas. It feels very uncomfortable. Yeah. We'll put totally. it that way. <laughs> yeah. When that happens, can your husband go with you or do you, does he have to meet you at the gate? Yeah, he can go with me. Um, but it's really it's awkward because he walks with the person that's pushing me um, uh-huh. and then like not with me. So then I'm like up there by myself, like trying to look behind me. And it's just like an awkward social situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your social contract is that you feel like you walk next to the person that's walking, um, yeah. not like the person who's being pushed. Um, right. So my ideal setup was always that Philippe would push me, but you know, that's kind of a pain in the butt for Philippe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, like you have to know the way through the weird parts of the airport. Yeah. You have to like know the way through the caverns. Yeah. I mean, I know the way through Dallas now, like the back of my hand. Um, I would say if there were some things that like we could change and that should be better. Um, the woman that called security was one of those people who just was constantly calling security for whatever reason. Um, so she would call, she would call security and be like, there's a student sitting on my computer who refuses to get off. And mm-hmm. like, this is not a, a situation in which we call security. Like security is for like when the kid has a knife or, you yeah. know, like something that like warrants security, like, or a fight. Um, but she was the one that called security and they didn't come because it was her. So that's why yeah. security never showed up. So then it became a Sarah problem. Um, and then, um, you know, the and unfortunately, that kid did have a knife. Um, so I, you know, I came out of this as lucky as, you know, you can come out. of mm-hmm. You can come out of a knife fight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I called it very violent. I didn't really go into like the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But sometimes you're sometimes you're just in school and a knife fight breaks out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a thing that happens. Unfortunately, yeah, it happened. It really happened in my school. Legitimately. So. Yeah. I it happened in my middle school, I think, a couple of times. Um, it definitely happened when I taught high school a lot more than it happened when I was in school. All of these systems are so disjointed and they don't like like none of them are, are optimized to be trying to like actually help the people they're designed to help. Right. So like you have to jump through eight eight hoops to like you know get a doctor to write you a note and then sometimes the insurance company's like yeah well uh, we just don't want to we don't believe the doctor (laughs) and my mom is going through she has like she had to have her knee replaced and like she never and she has like a rare genetic condition that causes her to form scar tissue really really quickly oh no so they can't so like no amount of like pt or mobility like is helping her be able to use her knee again because like you know she can they break up the scar tissue and like it forms again really quickly um and um and she was dealing with that for like years and like trying to get long-term disability and they were like yeah no no shot and then she got diagnosed with cancer and only after she got diagnosed with cancer and had cancer for six months that were they like yeah you can have long-term disability now like crazy and her doctors were like had written all the notes they could write to be like, this person should not be working. But it's so sad. And, you know, it, like every 
the sad thing is that first of all, I'm really sorry your mom went through that. That's awful. I it yeah, sounds like she's okay. Uh, um, at least yeah, she's, she's 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 fighting it right now. Did she is she through the cancer battle? No, she has a couple more chemo treatments left. Okay. Well, but, my but the levels are her levels are going down. Okay, good. Which okay. is good. My thoughts are with you all. Um that's really hard. Um but the yeah, the system is not set up for for success. You know, it, the thought is everybody's trying to game the system and um, what I saw with a lot of teachers is that instead of fighting it, they just went away. You know, right. th- then that's the goal. Like you just go away, like you just go back because you don't have another option, even though you can barely walk. And then, you know, you end up with other things that start happening. And then you get to a point where you, you know, can lead a not pleasant life as, mm-hmm. you know, whatever your with whatever your condition is. I was really lucky um, that I, you know, had savings and I had all the things that I needed to be able to keep myself protected from having to just go away, but, and, and just give up and go back to work because it's exhausting. Um, Yeah. It's a really hard fight and, um, and it's set up for failure. Sarah, thank you so much. It's been great. Thanks um, for having me. And it's, I, I think we've said this before, but it's always fun to have other podcasters on because <laughs> it just feels like, you know, we all know that how to talk on a mic. Yeah, that's true. Which, like, you know, boohoo, it's a hard skill, but like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how many episodes you listen to, but maybe you heard me kind of go through the various stages of ending questions that I've had in the pandemic where like early in the pandemic, I was asking people like, what are you excited to do when the pandemic is over? And then like three or four months ago, I started asking people um, like now that the pandemic is in like, we're in late stage and like, you know, people have uh, vaccinations and whatever, like, what are you, what, 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 what exciting thing have you done? But now I feel like I need to change my question again Cause it's like now that we're in like late stage pandemic and like people are vaccinated, but you know, we have like, we're on our fourth or fifth variant, whatever, like, what have you been, what is like, what have you been grateful for throughout the last like two and a half years that has like kept you sane? Um, I have a really fucking awesome support system. Um, and I have a really happy household. That's (laughs) awesome. That's dope. <laughs> That's dope. I feel similarly, honestly. Yeah. Good. That yeah. makes you really happy. Um, cool. That's a great answer. That was like a very, I, I like this question because it feels a little more positive, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Than maybe some of my prior questions. Um, okay, Sarah, this is your time. Please plug whatever you want to plug. Um, well, if you want to laugh and need some levity in your life, Conum, where the water's warm over at Laughing with Gingers, um, you don't have to be a redhead to enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Just highly encouraged. But if you are a guest, you have to put something red on your head in order to be an honorary redhead. <laughs> mm, that's a fun twist. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then if, you know, if you're looking for 
marriage stuff, wedding stuff, wedding inspiration or stories or that kind of thing, um, you can find us over on the wedding dish. And also for those of us in the DC area that might be, or like, I guess anywhere that might be interested in like a different kind of marketing or networking. Do you want to talk about your business? Sure. Um, so we, uh, my other business is district bliss. Um, and we are a community of introverted and extroverted, um, business owners who are sick of the stodgy networking and want to come together and, and really enjoy meeting people, um, and have a, you know, not anxiety provoking networking experience. (laughs) Nice. Are there, did you give socials for that? Maybe we can put our socials or put your socials in the show notes. Um, so it's at district bliss events. If you're looking for networking, if you're looking for laughing with gingers, it's at laughing with gingers. Um, and if you are looking for the wedding dish, um, we are at the wedding dish podcast. Nice. And as always, you can find us at I'm the villain pod. That's our Twitter, our Gmail and our Instagram. Otherwise, bye, everyone.